Welcome to the Legendarium. I was waiting for when he to try and do the last words. Hands. Yeah, to do like you're in good hands. The Dark Tower's in good hands. So I, I really wanted that. <laughs> it took me out for that a moment. That would have been bad fan. See, that would have been the bad fan service <laughs> I was talking about earlier. Exactly. Okay, welcome everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Legendarium Podcast, episode number 143. I am Craig Hanks, your host. And over there, he's so sensitive, he cries during Michael Bay movies. It's Todd Wenty. They're all so touching. And his favorite pastime is weaving rugs from his toe hair. It's Ryan Bruckman. I have a beautiful, beautiful rug that has uh, the the meditation print on it now. So. What? The meditation? I don't, I, can... I don't know what that is, and I don't want to, quite frankly... And he's so remote, I'm going to make Ryan put down his blast shield and swing a lightsaber at him. It's new friend of the podcast, John Negroni. Oh, I am one with the Force, and the Force <laughs> is with me. <laughs> Hi, John. John is uh, joining us from uh, California, if I'm not mistaken. Yes? The Bay Area. And uh, you are the host of the Cinemaholics podcast. And uh, John reached out to me a few days ago. And uh, I've listened to a few episodes now of the Cinemaholics, and I can highly recommend it. Uh, they actually know things about movies, you guys, as wow. opposed to listening to the Legendarium. Uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's a little different experience. So hmm. I do, uh, yeah, I, I really do recommend uh, if you like uh, pop culture, if you like movies and those discussions, go check out Cinemaholics. And it's the official podcast of what site, John? We got this covered. We got this covered.com. So, yeah. Uh it's it's a pretty big deal. And I feel like we I feel like we scored getting John on our podcast. Did we pay him? Uh <laughs> Do I pay you? Uh no, that's why I'm wondering. Did you pay him? <laughs> Talk about uh, salaries later. Yeah, there we go. All right. Now, uh also don't forget uh to head to patreon.com slash legendarium to support this show because you also like this show, not just Cinemaholics. Uh, go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show and also head to thelegendarium.reddit.com and join the conversation there. We much appreciate everybody who comments there. And of course, as always, there will be a discussion thread for this episode. Uh, so you can send your jeers and snipes our way after you have listened to the rest of this discussion on uh, the brand new Stephen King adaptation of, uh, well, that's the thing. What is it an adaptation of? I'm not entirely sure, but it's called The Dark Tower. And uh, let's let's go ahead and, and get into it. I've prepared a few remarks. Uh, to you sound like you're preparing a eulogy here. I I've prepared a few <laughs> remarks. <laughs> well, this is the, I just I, I want to ease us into it a little bit, uh, and then we'll we'll uh, get talking about the Dark Tower and see how that movie went. Uh, all right, adaptations of Stephen King's novels have a long and shall we say checkered past. Indeed, for every Shawshank Redemption, there's a maximum overdrive not far behind it. So I had no expectations for the Dark Tower as far as how good the movie would be. That being said, I had some expectations as far as the tone and the story went. This was not the movie I expected. So here's a quick rundown, in case you as an intelligent and well-bred listener of the Legendarium podcast do not in fact care to go see The Dark Tower, uh, which you should not. Jake 
is a kid with ill-defined psychic powers living in New York City. He keeps having visions of a man in black with ill-defined magic powers, a black man with ill-defined gun shooting powers, and a tower. Wanted for his psychic powers, Jack, ha Jake, Jack, Jake has to dodge a bunch of ill-defined monkey henchmen to cross the galaxy and join forces with the gunslinger who is hunting down the murderous man in black. They do this. It takes less than 90 minutes. As I said, this was not the movie I expected. I've never read Stephen King's foray into epic fantasy, but my impression was always of a more dark, grown-up series of novels. So I don't think I'm wrong to feel weird that what I saw was a movie for 11-year-olds. The running time is tailor-made for prepubescent attention, <laughs> attention spans, as were the extremely shallow characters and the plot that was so tropey it could have been one of Snow White's dwarves. The only two things for me to enjoy were Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, who are each gallantly trying to do something with the nothing they were given to work with. It's tempting to say that Danish director Nikolai Arcel really screwed this one up, but knowing what little I do of Hollywood, I'm more inclined to chalk this up to one more episode in the sad story of piss-poor executive meddling. So that's what I thought. Ryan, I would like to hear what you thought because I, I'm going directly to you first because I know I, I don't know John well enough to to know for sure where he fits in the spectrum, but I know that <laughs> among the legendarium panelists, you are the one most likely to be a little more charitable toward the film. Charitable and kind. So I'd like to hear what you think of it. Yeah, um, and I think you're probably going to be right on this one because although it was not a great movie, uh, it it wasn't terrible, um, in my opinion, quite frankly. Um, there's a whole lot of things. Uh, you use the term ill-defined like eight times. I don't know if you're getting like a five cent per use <laughs> deal on that one, but um, I think that's accurate to describe. I am very new to Stephen King's materials. Um, I have, I think, uh, Pet Cemetery, and that's a really, <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> no, nope, you haven't seen Maximum Overdrive? I have not seen, I know, like, I know the plots of all these things, okay. these different pieces, and I'm, I'm aware, so when Pennywise showed the, the, that showed up in the, trailers in the tr well in the in the oh, in the film right, right. it says up there pennywise I'm like oh it's it i get it uh, i see it it's a connection i don't know what i'm supposed to be connecting but sure he's there <laughs> whatever um but oh, so we have I, a lot to talk about then <laughs> uh, everything's connected in this thing okay uh, well and that's the thing like for me this whole concept if it, it, it did not feel to have or it didn't have the same tone as what i expected it expected all of Stephen King's works to have this piece that would connect them all like it just felt uh, it did feel too young adult like all of a sudden now it feels young, like, young adult like young child I, I'm well I'm I, I will give it a little more than than that but not by much okay um, but this whole idea that now all of a sudden these other pieces seem less intense or scary to me yeah because yeah. they all came from some other world that's kind of our world, but not our world that's overlaid. Yeah, know. it I, made this, no this, sense. It screamed of Thor Dark World to me. <laughs> um, but you know what? A other ringing than, endorsement for the Dark Tower. Yeah, I, I, as I was sitting there, I did enjoy the action sequences and I, putting this movie up against what it, I couldn't really know what this movie claimed to be. So normally my thing is like, 
uh, to judge things as to what they claim to be, as to what they're supposed to be. And I really had a hard time knowing what this movie was supposed to be to judge it against. Yeah. But other than finding times going, man, this is going on a really long time. Oh, no, it's not. Um, no, it's over. It's over. <laughs> I just checked my watch. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Other, I mean, other than that, like I, I think watching, uh, watching the gunslinger in action was really cool. The, the boy actor was mediocre at best. Yeah. He had a, he had a decent presence. He didn't have any skills though. Yeah. As far as acting goes. You get to the whole sequence. Oh, your mom's dead. Well, you got over that pretty quick. <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever see? Uh, did you ever watch the Shannara adaptation on MTV? No, I just read your reviews. Oh man, it was. It, it, I was all over that one. Oh man, <laughs> I yeah. You should if you haven't read my recaps, John. You you should. I'll maybe I'll post them in uh, on Reddit. Anyway, you read the original Terry Brooks's stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. And okay. in the show, in the Shannara show, in the first like five minutes of the show, Will's mom dies, and then the next scene is him like riding off very cheerfully, uh, <laughs> off on his adventure. He's like, "Oh, she gave me these elf stones. Sweet, I'm gonna go surf or something." And uh, and and he never acknowledges that his mother just died. And mm. it, it's the most bizarre thing. Anyway, so yeah. It's not helped by the too. fact that he looks like the guy who joins that Glee club and that show Glee. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, as far as what this movie was supposed to be, you said, I, I don't really know what this movie was purporting to be. And so you couldn't judge it against that necessarily. As I was watching the movie, my sense as somebody who hasn't read the book is that this was supposed to be about the gunslinger. I believe the first book is, in fact, called The Gunslinger. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and it's just not. We get... He he does get ever so slightly more characterization than, uh, than most of the other side characters in the film. But I feel you like... You mean he gets two dimensions instead of one. <laughs> exactly. But the, but the movie ended up being about the kid. And mm -hmm. I kind of felt like he was should have been sort of a backseat character to the gunslinger in in a in a way i don't know it's, john i, I want to hear what john thinks because he i know you have read the book uh maybe years ago but you did read it yeah the the book that i read was dark tower not gunslinger oh there and, is a book called because you're, the dark you're right tower. well gunslinger comes out in 1982 and there's some dispute over like the real order of the books, but the order, if you're going by the timelines, which I'm not, is uh, the first one and the first order is uh, came out like '98, The Little Sisters of Illyria, and then The Gunslinger. So it has like its own its own prequel. There is a book called The Dark Tower. It came out in 2004, but I think to what you're saying, the story of like what this this not this movie adaptation is supposed to be doing it's not really based off of gunslinger it's based off of a lot of different books put together yeah because if you read gunslinger a yes it's told through the perspective of the gunslinger jake chambers doesn't show up until like i want to say like halfway through the book or something like that i mean maybe like in the the first you know development stage of the story but it it really is just a guy like the first the first line of the book is uh, the conflict is it sets up the conflict between the gunslinger and the man in black. And this goes on for like eight books. What they did with the movie was they were like, well, we we, we want to make a franchise, but we also don't want to make a franchise out of this source material necessarily for some reason. 
And so for whatever reason, they took a bunch of the books, mashed them up together, and then completely changed like the tone of the of the books. It changed mm-hmm. the structure, the plot, uh, basically everything you can think of, like who the gunslinger is, what he's capable of, like what he will do in order to kill the man in black is like a big theme of this story down to like, I mean, there's so much to like the Dark Tower series that people don't realize. And it just boggles my mind that like they decided to make a movie out of this instead of a TV series, which I know they're apparently working on, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I have a question from Reddit for Todd. Uh, oh dear! I I have well, it's not. I, I'm I'm sending it your way. Oh, okay, okay. Our, it's our, not a specific one because when they throw me specific ones, I always get nervous. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this one is from our our old friend Asmodian underscore, and he asks, "Do I need to read the series before I watch the movie?" Now I have my answer, but I'd like to hear Todd's. It depends on if you want to be disappointed with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. If my my um. My my feeling as I went in to watch the movie was to tell to remind myself this will probably be very much like first night was to the Arthurian legends. Uh, it had the for for those of you who are either too young or have forgotten that particular film, really really bad film. Richard Gere. Hey, it and, was. Oh, I was nine years old oh, when that, that came out. It was fun. great. And, and that's the thing. For if you were nine, it was okay. I went into it expecting yeah, a retelling of La Morte to Arthur. And the last line in the credit thing, the the preview credit thing in that said, after all, Lancelot was good with a sword. And I just rolled my eyes and said, why did we spend money on this? It's better than the Knights of the Round Table will return. Oh, only better. <laughs> only a lot, slightly better, right? Um, I, I preferred the Michael Bay adaptation of the Arthurian legend. Uh, Guy Ritchie. No, no, no. The, uh, the, new, the, the new Transformers, Transformers movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. I That's how much I've already forgotten about that movie. <laughs> right. I, went, I totally skipped over it. If, I'm going to lie to you. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. If you go I in, didn't see it. If you go oh, into this, if you go you. into the Dark Tower reminding yourself, this will be uh, almost a complete fabrication using the same names as the Dark Tower, you'll probably not be really offended by it. Yeah. If you go into it expecting it to be a retelling of, or or any kind of a faithful retelling of the material that's connected with it, you're probably going to be very disappointed. Yeah, I was, uh, was... Sorry, go ahead, John. I was just going to say real quick, there's a reason why it feels like a YA movie, is because they re-edited it to make it feel more YA for people who haven't read the books yeah. instead of the fans, the fans of the source material. Cause they thought, okay, generic action movie, a la Percy Jackson, that that's how this movie is going to make money. That feels like a, a, a real good way that Sony probably inserted themselves into the creative process of yeah. the writing team and the production team. I got a very strong divergent feel from this film. And oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I liked the music. Really? I, Can I, I liked the music. Along that line, do you know what one of my biggest gripes was in this film? And it really... The blew, music? It blew my mind that that was what stood out to me. The Foley was really bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I sitting here going like, you're, are you stepping on like giant piles of glass? Like I normally... Foley, you're in a swamp. <laughs> <laughs> like if I'm noticing the Foley, you've done it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I understand. Like, I've got a little bit more of a, a critical ear and eye for things like that because that's things that I work in. But yeah, when when I'm sitting here going, his footsteps are taking me away from what he's saying. Yeah, you you messed something up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also notice the lighting in that vein. Like, 
Yes. Clearly, yes. they distorted the lighting to show that that they couldn't afford the special effects budget that they had. <laughs> <laughs> so the the budget on this movie was sixty million. Now, ten years ago, twenty years ago, if you say a movie had a budget of sixty million, it blows That's your mind. Huge. And, yeah. and now Avatar. in 2017, <laughs> when we have, I think it's literally like five dozen movies coming out in 2017 that have over $100 million budgets. Yeah. Uh, this movie feels cheap, probably because they blew all their money on Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, that, that made up probably a third of your budget right there. They let Jake do it for popsicles, I'm sure. <laughs> they also only produced like one major trailer for this one. You know, like there were multiple trailers, but theatrically, they only showed one trailer for like the entire prequels for every every week of this this summer. I've seen the same trailer behind every movie and they've been paying for that. And it's weird. It's like you couldn't afford to produce another, you know, shot of this because it wasn't even a great trailer to begin with. Is it is it possible that they gave up on it? That uh, who was it? Sony. Sony made this one. A lot of people have guessed that because uh, if you recall at the very beginning of the year we weren't even sure that this movie was still going to happen there wasn't a trailer poster there were there was no buzz coming out of the studio sony and they couldn't blame it anymore on any pascal's emails you know it, it was this kind of thing <laughs> where like are they still gonna do this like i i honestly am i was shocked that it actually came out in august because it, originally I, I think it was supposed to be like a july big budget movie over two hours long and then the test screenings just did not go well people got lost they didn't get the mythology into what you guys were saying before about the sony kind of inserting themselves creatively that's exactly what they did they went in and they cut it to pieces turned it into a 90 minute film and here we are you know, a, a you know 90 what i minute love generic action film yeah you know yeah. what i love most about having john on he knows things about movies this is great <laughs> this is fantastic like uh, berate your co-host like you know <laughs> that's, no, that's a weekly occurrence I, yeah, we're no, used to I'm it not, we're I'm, used to it i'm not berating them i'm berating us <laughs> I, I, I know random facts about movies too the most expensive movie pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides 378.5 million dollar budget really? yeah 378 the longer the biggest franchise and in 2011 you know that's 2011 money and some of that was filmed <laughs> out at the bonneville salt flats how expensive could that have been i don't know what that means what? Uh, what are you talking about? We'll talk later. Are you? Yeah. So Todd likes crack. Uh, let's move on. Um, uh, back, back to wait. What were we talking about? No, we were talking about the movie making, the executives. Maybe I don't know. Are we done with that? Uh, because are we done of, with I, making I wanna, Sony feel bad? <laughs> yeah. I want to pivot a little bit more into what was already being discussed about the the source material because yeah. good. I, I That's where I for, wanted to go back because I want to say. Straight off, I, I didn't like the first book. I, I really didn't. And I've never gotten into the series. And I'm not, this is going to sound kind of awful, but I'm not a fan of Stephen King books. I'm not even a fan of most of his like movie adaptations. Uh, I think the guy has, is an, obviously, he sh- deserves all the praise that he gets. I love Stephen King fans. I love uh, movies made based on his work and that are made better than what they were based off of. The exception, I think, like Carrie, for example, is yeah. I think something something that like is truly amazing that, that the man is responsible for. But Dark Tower has always been this kind of uh, it's it's a fantasy series that when you read it, it's so bleak and it's so like it, it's so out there. 
that I never thought that they would actually try to make some sort of like movie out of this, especially because this is like King's way. He wanted to make his own Lord of the Rings, basically. Right. He wanted to dip into fantasy, but he wanted to combine multiple genres and he wanted to include references to all of his movies. And one thing that they do give the fans for this movie, The Dark Tower, is they do put lots and lots and lots of references to other <laughs> Stephen King works, uh, especially the movies. Yeah. So I think we already mentioned like Pennywise. You see that in the amusement park and the terminal see, uh, is the other the one balloons. I recognize. I saw but you the, see there's a reference to uh, 1408 uh, is in there. Yep. The uh, the twins from The Shining, they're, they're twins that look a lot like them. Christine. Obviously, the shine, you know, that the kid has, that's like the most obvious one. The 57, and, uh, the 57 Chevy for Christine was in there. One of the kids was playing yeah, with that. He was playing with the toy. And uh, there's, there's so many. And I, even as somebody who doesn't love his work, like I love like these kinds of things. Like I like... Uh, the Stephen Kingdom, I think some people <laughs> nice. call it, right? And, and they're trying to build, you can see with the Dark Tower, yeah. a Stephen King cinematic universe, but they're not saying that totally overtly yet because they've noticed that when you do that, it's almost like uh, saying Beetlejuice three times because look at like Universal. They, they come, they're like, we're going to call this the Dark Universe, you know? And they come out with uh, the mummy and it just tanks and now that ruins their franchise. So I think if the Dark Tower is successful and box office is saying it's not going to be, Rotten Tomatoes is saying it's not going to be, then they would have, after this movie, had declared you know, for the world to hear, yes, we're creating a Stephen King-averse, and uh, it's going to include It, which comes out in September or whenever. Uh, it's going to include all of the future Stephen King movies, and that I'm, I, honestly, like, they're going to try this again. All right, so, I, so here's what Sony needs to do. I'm going to tell him how to save this. You need okay. to throw, take Idris Elba, and you need to throw an eye patch over one eye, and then in an after credit scene, and in all of your next three films, he's got to come in and collect whoever was in that film <laughs> and form a little... And say you're going to be, you're a gunslinger. Yeah, well, and try to look dope while you're <laughs> yeah. doing it. Try and basically form the uh, Stephen King Avengers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, really. Well, just think about like the King Arthur stuff that was already mentioned. I mean, right? Like his guns are from Excalibur and all of that. Like, I'm just saying they they were putting. You can see the studio notes in the script of like mention that because we want to do a movie about that later. And, yeah, and so, you know yeah. that's it's actually one compliment that I could offer the film, which is okay. So they put in all these references, and since I saw the movie, because I I had no clue going in, I I. I'm kind of with Ryan, I think, on this one. I'm not like a Stephen King guy. Was it you that said yeah. that? Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big Stephen King fan. Uh, that's not to say I don't like him. I just haven't read him. Um, and so anyway, a lot of these references went right over my head. But that's, uh, like I said, a compliment that can be paid to the film, which is they never beat me over the head with it. They were there to notice if you wanted to notice them, but yeah. it's but it's not R2-D2 and C-3PO walking into the screen for five seconds and cracking a joke just so that fans can be like, oh, there they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> not, there's there's fan service and then there's fan service. Ugh. And yeah. they did a good job with that in this one if it was there in to the degree you're talking about. So, yeah. But this movie does still have bad exposition in places. Oh, where, like, you're kidding. Over explaining and just, yeah. Um, yeah, well, the kid is the worst at that. It's like it, most of the lines that he has are kind of uh, expository dialogue. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, 
I, but on the other hand, uh, so much of what they did in this movie was underserved. Uh, yeah. All the characters were super flat. The the plot made the the bear plot made some sense. There's a guy who's trying to destroy the universe, but then they leave completely untold why he wants to do this. What's going to happen when he finally destroys the Dark Tower? Is he going to get killed just like everybody else? Mm-hmm. Or is, well, he, think... is he setting himself up to rule the universe? Nobody nobody talks about these things. Uh, I think they do sort of, like, because his first scene, remember, is he's, he's like a hardcore atheist Stalin guy. He's like, there's nothing after death, right? Like, they don't explain why he's like that and why he's so obsessed with everyone dying, except to say it's eventual, it's inevitable, so let's just get this over with. And I don't think that they do a good job of telling that story and making you connect with that motivation in a way that makes you want to root against him. But they do kind of put something in there. I guess. I, I mean, like you said, though, it wasn't enough it, to to sell me on it. It felt to me I like... I just wish they had... Ex- yeah. It, it felt to me like it was... Um, I, I remember years ago watching the Raiders of the Lost Ark and being very drawn up in the in the action of it and finding out later that the majority of the film was storyboarded and they they decided to hammer out dialogue the night before in many cases and in some cases they just threw the cam- they they said the cameras are running and we'll we'll shoot this action sequence and if we happen to catch some dialogue that's okay and it felt oftentimes that that was the same kind of thing they thought very carefully about some of the action sequences they thought very carefully about some of the things they wanted Idris Elba to fight against, but they didn't think at all about what they what they wanted them to, uh, how they wanted them to connect in any kind of human manner, uh, and and that was that was my one thing that I walked away from it saying, man, this had this had tremendous potential in about six different places to have turned and been a, a really enjoyable, a really good tale, um, and it wouldn't necessarily have had to have been. Uh, a lot longer. It just needed maybe five or six minutes of more concrete dialogue of 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 uh, character development dialogue, but about why these three individuals—Jake, the Man in Black, and the Gunslinger—are are tied in this in this conflict with each other. I think that's. Can I just the- say though that's that's kind of a reason why I don't think the movie is terrible either because it's entertaining enough. Sure. Right. Like, even though it's not a great film and it's actually kind of terrible, if you really like the book, I can imagine it. I mean, it's short and it's kind of disposable, but you can you can sit through it. That's a great word for it. Disposable. <laughs> I, you could exchange any of the characters for any other character of their sort and have the exact mm-hmm. same story somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. But I think it that's one of the challenges that comes from when you make the decision to pull things from multiple stories when you, especially in like a book series where you've got so many books and say, okay, we're going to take this part of this story and this part of this story and this and patch it together. The characters, when they're in this part of the story over here in, in C, you know, they're different than when they are in A. Yes. So you, there's no believable growth or arc to it. Yes. And they just kind of ironed it all out and said, well, okay, um, you've only got one real arc as a, as a gunslinger. Uh, your job is you, to shoot things. You, your job is to shoot things and, and you're bitter <laughs> because you're, you lost your father, the Allstate guy. Um, and- <laughs> hey, no, that's that's yeah. the president. He's the president. Did, no, did you know? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. He, yeah, he was on twenty four. I was waiting for him when he, like, his to try and you're do in last good words. hands. Yeah, to do like you're in good hands. The Dark Tower's in good hands. So I, just, I really wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> it took me out for that a moment. That would have been bad fan. See, that would have been the bad fan service <laughs> Greg was talking about earlier. Exactly. But I, th- I just think that 
they ran into ran into just basically saying, okay, well, we can only really tell one story and with him, and that's going to be, I'm not a gunslinger anymore, but I'll be a gunslinger when I'm about to die. You know, <laughs> I'm going to make the right decision when he puts the words in my head. Well, speaking of Dennis Haysbert, the Allstate president of the United Allstates, you just looked that up on Google. Oh, please! I am a huge 24 fan, so <laughs> you back off. Uh, no, speaking of Dennis Haysbert, I thought that he was criminally underused, and I bet there's a lot of him on the cutting room floor. Uh, and then the same is true, I mean, possibly, maybe not a lot of them, but a few more minutes, maybe. That Well, maybe that entire scene, they, they, only, they didn't show us what happened before the big death, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but then the other person who I thought was criminally underused was Abby Lee. Uh, yeah, Abby Lee Kershaw. It she she's a supermodel turned actress, and you might remember her. She's the gap tooth beauty from the Mad Max movie. Um, one of the girls that they're chasing after in Mad yeah. Max, uh, and I I was really impressed with her in that. And then again in this one, she has a really really good presence on screen, and I would like to see her turned loose a little bit more one of these days. Uh, so I was really disappointed when she came on. I was like, oh, man, it's great. It's Abby Lee. I hope she does something. Well, and she does nothing. She so. gets like a death scene, but then Ish. it doesn't, she doesn't die. Right. That felt weird, right? <laughs> like, he kind of, he looks like he just like kills her, but then you see her like and 20 then she minutes pops later. Up, yeah. With the scar yeah, on her cheek. Like, yeah. It's like, well, you could just swap that out, right? Oh, like, got her. Go. I was trying to figure out who you were talking about. <laughs> and then... Because uh, I'm sitting here going like the mom he makes that pretty. He makes that pretty face comment. If you get a pretty face, the world is yours. Yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which... Okay, so moving, moving, steamrolling right along into another subject. That just brings me into another... Oh, before oh, we do, I... All right, I, all right. I, I, there's one last thing. One last thing. Because the world building. I do want to give this movie some credit. Because cause we were talking about how a lot of the dialogue isn't really used to create human connection. And that's a totally true criticism. It's a big problem with the movie. One thing the movie does pretty well is that uh, aspects of the world building is good. You did say a lot of it's ill-defined, and you're right. The, the magic is ill-defined. But I do like how they use the world building to sort of show you how things work instead of beating you over the head with it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's not perfect, but like just little things of like, the extent of the man in black's powers in terms of like the mind control stuff i wish they had explained other things about it like his immortality and like, what why, can kill him why the man in black is immune yeah that would have been or really, sorry why why the gunslinger the gunslinger is immune whatever that would have been really useful but the extent of his powers like you could tell that he was powerful imposing and pretty hard to kill by like his actions, not just people saying it around him. And that, yeah. that was actually like a good, you know, the other thing goes with the gunslingers themselves, like just watching characters react, you know, in, in that town when somebody mentions a gunslinger, you know, the respect that automatically is given Elba's character, you sort of, you know, th th that was good stuff. I, I do like how lean that aspect of the world building was, even if it was pretty shoddy in other places, especially with like the dreams and the shine stuff and all that. Cause I think that was the confusing stuff that they wanted to avoid. Like people kind of being like, what, what is that? What, why does this kid have psychic powers? Like that stuff I think was what they were concerned about. And if maybe they had done a better job world building all around, this movie would have bumped up a little bit for me. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I'll buy that. I, and as far as the world building goes there, that is another little compliment that I could pay, which is uh, that I, I enjoyed the aesthetic of the movie 
Um, I liked it's it's obvious nonsense that Idris Elba is this uh, gunslinger on another planet that you know wears a duster and uh, <laughs> wanders the the swamps of the Wild West or you know whatever. The, it's completely ridiculous, but I liked the look of it. And I yeah, like the, cool. the I like the look of Matthew McConaughey's character Walter. Uh, they it, it was very compelling. So, which is uh, honestly, that I disagree with. One of the least threatening names I think I've ever, Walter ever heard. Li- the literally the, literally the name of my cat. Yeah, but to your <laughs> point, like the fan service, if they could have easily named him Randall, and that would have like <laughs> been the that would have been the equivalent of the C-3PO red arm thing, you know, of like, uh, 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 you know, like Randall from the stand and yeah, but they held yeah. up, they restrained themselves with that. And I kind of was like, okay, why well, does, hopefully that's intentional. I don't know if it's part of the book series or not, but why does he need a name? Why can't he just well, be the man in black? He, the man in black he changes, and then... he changes his identity a lot, basically. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there are a lot of theories that he's other characters in the books as well. Um, like going, like, I think people even think he's, uh, the Jack from the shining at one point, speaking of which, I think, uh, the kid, Danny, the, the kid in the shining, I think he's in this movie. Uh, I think he's supposed to be that guy that is like telling Jake chambers about the shine, you know, that oh, guy that loves oh. this New Yorker. Yeah. And that's my little, that's my headcanon theory about that. I have nothing to back. There's no evidence. But. <laughs> Good enough for me. One of the things that I, that I really, that really captured me with this with the with the story of the dark tower um and it was something that i encountered in a in a different fantasy series called uh the apprentice adept by piers anthony was the idea that there are that there that what you do in one realm impacts another realm that that are complementary um and and this idea that what happens in midworld also impacts what's going on in keystone earth um, a, a lot of our fantasy, uh, a lot of our fantasy stuff takes place in, in world building that is completely separate from our, from our existence. And I really liked, um, I, I really liked the idea that there are things going on elsewhere that impact us. And when I, I didn't read the dark tower long enough to get into that, to get that piece from it. But as I watched it in the movie, I think going back now, if I were to have the time, that might be one of the things that would hook me and keep me in it a little bit longer. Like you, also, like you don't have the time. I'm not even making you read Wheel of Time, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about my schedule later. <laughs> I have a son getting married in a couple of weeks. I don't, I don't want to drop this tangent out of nowhere, but I mean, it is a meta narrative, and that is like a whole other thing to get into about how the books are supposed to represent uh, actual books and like commenting on how uh, books can be connected and how what happens in one Stephen King novel affects another Stephen King novel. The only thing holding them all together is the author who is the dark tower. And it's, it's this whole big stupid thing. And it, uh, it would take too long to, to <laughs> unravel that thread, but and yeah. a child's brain can kill Stephen King. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm I really a... just want to know why they didn't aim lower on the tower because <laughs> it seemed to be doing a pretty good job. Of like, yeah. Hit the base. The whole thing's coming down. <laughs> Um, I'm a big fan of meta narrative, so I, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit interested in that. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who watched, uh, Jurassic World and saw a meta narrative and thus yeah. really enjoyed the movie. Um, I, I enjoyed that movie as well. I really, is, yeah, I liked it. There are a lot of 
like scenes in that movie that are like, oh, clearly the executives are talking directly at us. Yes. And and about themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why, uh, you know, spoiler alert. Can I spoil what happens in the Dark Tower series? Not the very end or anything, but like something that happens in the last book. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. If you have not read the last book in the Dark Tower and you want to without it being spoiled, now you've had 10 seconds of warning. Okay, go ahead. I mean, it's been 13 or so years, but uh, yeah, Stephen King is a character in the book. And I won't say why or how or what happens with that, but it, it, it he like he shows up and he's part of the story. And it all ties into how uh, he got into a car accident in the late 90s. And he it kind of like made him realize I have to finish the Tark Tower books. So he finished it by doing this whole uh, story about how as the author they sort of were relying on him to survive these characters and so he shows up in the book as a commentary on that and it's ridiculous but it is at the same time like a very <laughs> personal thing that only stephen king could apparently get away with so the darkness um, is all the studio executives wanted to, or publishing <laughs> editors or people trying to get to his work and be like no oh man um no he's not the only one because you have a lot of stories like that uh, stranger than fiction is the one that comes to mind most easily yeah. so uh yeah i think that's a common thing for authors to ruminate on um <laughs> anyway uh, i have a few more bullet points but uh ryan did you have anything you wanted to bring up or talk about with the movie so if i could take and forgive forgive me for this because this is not intended to be what it is uh, like if I could pet cemetery this story and bring it back as something slightly different, there are a few pieces that I would l- that I absolutely love that I would wish to see re- done again, and 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 uh, explored more. Um, and that was and now I just totally spaced what it was. Oh uh, no! Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> but actually, when we talked earlier about the the things that grabbed me were um the Excalibur connection. Okay. I really would have liked to. The the guns are made from the metal of, the metal Excalibur. of Excalibur, which I I would love to have to know a little bit more about that piece. You know the backstory of how that got there, the the story of Elder whatever, um, and maybe I don't know. There's so much to the. I just wanted more pieces of of the tower itself of magic without going too far because we there's a balance you have to strike in between telling everything and getting midichlorians versus not telling enough and ending up in this weird ethereal yeah he's got magic yeah exactly because there's there's a beautiful middle ground like when we did lord of the rings you talk about how the magic and that's not really it's there and it's but it's not really defined as like but it's also not driving the story yeah and so you don't have to define it all the time yeah uh, but in this one it's all about walter who is uh, using his magic and and sucking the minds out of little children and throwing them their brains at the dark tower, whatever it is. I don't know how it works. Um, and you have Idris Elba's character, who's obviously got these magic Excalibur guns, and mm-hmm. but but that magic is ill defined, but it's driving the story along, and so you need to know more about it. Yeah, I just I would like to take some of those elements and get and find that middle ground. And try again because yeah. I think that this has a lot of potential um, to be <clears throat> to be good. I I have a little bit of a reticence to have an author kind of retcon his entire works into one universe. Yeah, 
Um, if that wasn't your original intent, I think you're just gonna, leave you're, it alone. Just let it be and start start your new universe. I'll tell you one thing: you're you're talking about things you would like to see uh, fleshed out more if the movie were to be remade. Uh, the the monkey minion people. I was so on board with this at the very beginning when it's like, oh, there's these like skin wearing monkey people who were coming after kids and stuff. And then like we are given nothing about who these creatures are, why they are like, are they slaves or employees or, uh, you know, of, of Walter? What are their origins? What are their uh, skills or powers or whatever? I, I was very interested in these things and we got nothing. I, They're supposed to be vampires and werewolves and stuff. What? But like they don't even. Yeah, the Crimson King. He's a vampire. What? Like that. Yeah, but they don't, for whatever reason, want you to know that. I guess in this. Uh, I Walter isn't the Crimson King though, is he? Or is that him? Oh, I'm talking about. I'm mixing characters up. The guy who leads that like little brothel the area Dixie or pig. whatever. The Dixie Pig. That guy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was. Uh, uh, gosh, I really want to remember his name now. Uh, this is important to me. But that's why he he seems to have such a prominent role, kind of out of nowhere, is because Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, right yeah. from uh, Watchmen. Yes, and they don't really do much with him. You know the the one thing that's interesting Hit about this. Um, it, I, I'm I as we've as we've talked more and more about the idea that the Dark Tower was was intention was intended to be. Or that Stephen King was hoping it would be his Lord of the Rings type story. I I go back to remembering when Peter Jackson was filming the Lord of the Rings, and we were all talking about the fact that all three of these movies, these huge scope movies, which were already going to be long, and then they were going to try and and cut them down, and and but they were filming them all at the same time, so that the entire story was going to be told as it should have been. I think that showed tremendous confidence on the part of both the director and the and the production company. I think that part of why this fails is because Sony was chicken about the idea of making this work as a three movie arc that they could have announced very easily, done it exactly the same way as as the Lord of the Rings series was done, and tell us in the beginning this is a three movie arc. Buckle your seatbelts, hang on for the ride. It'll be worth it to at the end. And I think that. I think that would have given them opportunities to explore a lot of the things we've talked about. And I mean, I, th I think there's enough material that they could have made much better story out of that entire process. Can someone name for me, and this isn't being belligerent, a good movie that Sony has made in the last decade? Oof. I, off the top of my head, no. But I think that's part of the, the bias that comes with uh, when your name becomes a hiss and a byword, so to speak, uh, people only pay attention to the crappy stuff that comes out. And so when you have a hit, nobody talks as much about it because it doesn't fit the narrative. Well, John, do you guys know? I mean, tech technically Spider-Man Homecoming was a Sony movie. That's true. Um, you know, uh, I didn't love Sausage Party, but that was definitely a big hit. Uh, Baby Driver was Sony. And that's my favorite movie of the year so far. So they're, they're still coming out with good stuff. It's just like you're saying, it's we hear more about the bad stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys like uh, Hotel Transylvania. I thought that was the Loved first one. Hotel Transylvania. Was, was definitely, that was a fun okay. movie. Yeah, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was them. I thought that was a surprise. So um, to me, it yeah. seems like they're real failures then. Like 
Because I'm thinking, because uh, they were in charge of Fantastic Four, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get a feeling. No, wait, like... that was Fox. That was Fox. Was that Fox? Uh, yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Uh, Fox owns the rights to X Men and Fantastic Four. Sony owns the rights just to Spider Man. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I just because uh, for some reason that was registering in my mind that they seem to give up on films like their their failure films that that we're aware of are ones that just they have that feel of giving up like yeah we're not going to get this right so just get it out and get it off the plate so we can go somewhere else I wonder if and, and maybe it's that they they know what they do well and what they've done well they execute well um, mm-hmm. and and they're still trying to figure out how to make this fantasy film thing work maybe that's they the haven't part. really tried a lot of fantasy movies i mean they tried with goosebumps to sort of do that kind of thing where i could imagine more goosebumps movies right and that movie did fine it it was a decent flick i think we can all agree that uh, every goosebumps novel needs to be adapted into a full-length feature (laughs) film that's i would buy that yeah like goosebumps would have been a much more interesting idea for like multiple movies but they kind of just did a one-off right (laughs) And they gave up on Spider-Man, and now they're doing Venom, and I don't really know how that stuff's going to work. But yeah. yeah, a a Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man. Oh, sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that uh, they could go maybe the horror route because I I really like Don't Breathe, you know, which is probably why the Stephen King thing was like something that they really wanted to try because it has there's there's some horror in Dark Tower, and that's kind of what I was hoping this movie would do, but. Uh, they kind of chickened out there. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, uh, we're at, we're at about forty five minutes now, uh, and I don't mind wrapping up if this is going to be a little shorter discussion. But does anybody else have any uh, bullet points you want to bring up, or shall we uh, move on to final thoughts? Did I mention that I liked the music? <laughs> did you really? <laughs> I really did. What... I, here's here's my problem. I didn't. I I don't even remember that there was music in this yeah. movie. So one of the one of the things that I think uh, happens for all of us, Brian was mentioning this that he that he notices the he notices the foley. I notice music. Um, one one of the things that uh, that happened for me as a transformative experience as a kid was um, I had I had four LP records for about uh, six years, and that was all I had. And one of them was the John Williams Star Wars soundtrack, and uh, one of the others uh, was the Star Wars soundtrack album story albums that had all of the all of the characters act uh, all of the characters voices and those kinds of things and because of those i played them over and over and over again and i got uh, I, I started to get a feel for how music influences the way that the stories are told um and so for me whenever i go to a film i notice i, I notice the music and i say to myself oh within probably the first minute, minute and a half, if the music gets me, I'm willing to give the movie a chance. There are several movies that I've gone to and I listen to the first 30 seconds of music and I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a long night. Um, but this was one that in the very beginning, the music got me and I said, all right, I'm willing to give it a shot because I felt like the music captured the mood that I was expecting. Um, it wasn't it wasn't terribly um, avant-garde. It, it, it felt like it fit what I was expecting, what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And it became memorable for me. Uh, memorable enough that when I was done, I was like, yeah, I think I might actually buy the soundtrack. So here's a tangent for you. Speaking of, uh, of what you are, speaking of music in movies, uh, here's an unpopular opinion for you. I love Interstellar. And I love it yeah. largely because of the music. The soundtrack was so 
uh, so, so moving for me that I, that I was willing to forgive even Anne Hathaway's uh, performance for that movie. I've, I Can felt I, the same I about that. I, I didn't like Interstellar. I thought the movie... I thought the music was better in the trailer than I thought in the movie. <laughs> and I would say that about Dark Tower, too. I liked the theme that they had in the trailer. I don't remember. I didn't notice the music at all in the movie until the resolution when all of a sudden that John Williams S. score came on. And I was completely taken out of the movie. I had a totally different experience. I was like, where did this come from? Because this was no like... I don't remember hearing anything quite like this orchestral sweeping and it didn't feel earned to me. And I was surprised because I love Junkie XL. They did the music for this movie. Yeah. They also did it for Mad Max, Deadpool. Say what you want about Batman versus Superman, but the soundtrack is pretty good. And they didn't even, uh, they didn't have Hans Zimmer that time uh, like they did in Man of Steel, but I thought that Junkie XL did um, a great job. So I was pretty disappointed. I, I don't know. Maybe I have to watch the movie again and pay closer attention to the music beats, but they didn't They didn't stand out to me for some reason. Interesting. All right. So, uh, Ryan, final thoughts. And uh, I, I also want you to rank this movie out of four uh, phallic towers. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> final thoughts. Uh, the Creed of the Gunslingers. Um, is cool except for when it's said by a, a 12 year old boy correct <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I got to that on my when they're doing the whole shooting practice thing and he hits the can and i'm like yeah you kill with your heart sure you do buddy you're barely in puberty kid I just, <laughs> i'm not yeah idris elba is allowed to say that i'm not going to repeat it because i'm not allowed to say it yeah it's pretty cool um number of phallic towers i will give it um one <laughs> One with a cold day and a half. <laughs> so that's that's one and a half. Okay, uh, Todd. I I I think I've given my my final thought. I like the music, and if if I walk away from a film saying uh, it was it was fun popcorn entertainment, and I liked the music, that's that's probably not a ringing endorsement for spending full price on it. But you know what? I'll probably go see it again when it's showing up at the dollar theater if i've got nothing better to see that particular night really yeah yeah <laughs> because i did like i liked idris elba there's this thing now called on demand <laughs> there's always something better to watch which which might tell you an awful lot i do like um i'm a fan of the cowboy ethic um i'm a i'm a fan of the of the old west and all of those kinds of things so uh idris elba's characterization i liked uh but but I don't think it's one of those things that I'll say to myself, gee, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy this one and I'm going to really enjoy it. I'm going to I'm going to share it with my family and tell them all that they need. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm probably a little more generous than Ryan because I'll give it I'll I'll give it one and a half, maybe that's, not one. That's and what a he third. I thought you gave it one and a third. I would give it one in a. I gave it one in a cold day. One in a cold day. I would. I would give it one in a warm day, but not a cold day. Oh <laughs> you people disgust me. And You're I'm, the one and who I'm the one that brought it up. Hey, I I started it, but uh, you took it to a whole new level. All right, John, let's hear it. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Um. Yeah. So I don't usually grade with numbers, so I might be doing this incorrectly i usually do letter grades but as far as the movie itself goes we you you ah. we'll translate you do a letter grade okay and, and we'll make <laughs> sure. it as disgusting as possible all right i i think i know what the one-to-one -one is but 
You know, I honestly, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't think it's a, a terrible thing. I think the only, the only reason somebody will come out of this movie just hating it on every level is probably if they're a fan of the source material and they were expecting something better because the source material deserves a lot better. And that's coming from somebody who doesn't even like the source material. I mean, I honestly, I, I honestly think that it, it it betrays so much what the fans want. And usually I try to look when I grade a movie of like, who's going to like this? You know, if you're a hardcore fan, are they going to like this? And, and and if I'm judging it with that caveat, I mean, it's almost like a 0.5 out of four at that point. But if I'm looking at this as a movie, as generic entertainment as something that, you know, I think, yeah, like we were talking about before, like YA, you know, it's just like a generic action movie. You watch it on the plane, you watch it as a red box or dollar theater, what have you. you. You can sit through it and watch it and, you know, forget all about it the next day, no harm, no foul. But that that to me is a, that's a C plus. And I think that's like a two out of four. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, two um, out of four towers. I actually Half think. Mast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well done, sir. Um, I think I'm largely on the same page as you. If I'm judging it as its own thing, uh, then yeah, it was fine. It wasn't for me. Um, if I'm going to watch a movie for 11 year olds, as we talked about on the last, uh, episode, if I'm going to watch a movie for 11 year olds, I'd much rather watch Harry Potter, which I think, uh, is, is better done for 11 year olds. And this one is not, but whatever, uh, it's it's fine. But I got the sense as I was watching it, I kept thinking of the fans. And the thing that uh, that I kept being reminded of, and I've already brought it up, was the Shannara Chronicles TV show. Uh, oh. I'm a huge fan of the Shannara series from when I was a kid, and I, I grew up reading those over and over and over again. And so when that came out, I was so angry, I could barely contain myself. Um <laughs> I, I cannot tell you how much I hate that MTV adaptation. And it's so, so bad it's good, though. Oh, like, I, I had so much fun laughing at that show. The, I mean, it's good in that all the people are pretty, I suppose you could say. <laughs> no, I thought, I thought when your tree is made out of bricks and has a door, your oh show has a problem. <laughs> It's. Uh, I thought it was when yeah. they denied, when they uh, ignored physics and were ziplining on the same line. That's back right. And forth. When when you can zipline uphill, your show has a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, anyway. But my my point with all this is that as I was watching the Dark Tower, I I could feel the betrayal happening, and I've never read a single word of yeah. the source material, uh, but I could feel it, and so it really bothered me. I give it. Uh, it for my own experience, I'd probably give it one tower and, uh, you know, but, but if you have a kid and you want to send them to a, a movie, that's a lot of fun. Uh, what are you talking about? Tom? Oh man, Why I would you... not send a kid to this movie. Yeah. Oh, there's some dark stuff that happens in this thing. I mean, the mom and like, oh man. Yeah. No, send your I kid, would, send your kid, not maybe not your 11 year old, but send your, your 13 year old to it. It's fine. I would, I would actually say like 10 and up. Sounds about right for me. Yeah. So the, a ten-year-old can handle that. And here's the next question: Has Sony already started preparing action figures for the Christmas holidays? No. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, all right. So They're that still was trying to go through their Ghostbusters inventory. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, you know we should do that for a giveaway sometime. <laughs> see, uh, see how little participation we can get. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's wrap it up then. I'm glad we all got to go see this. I guess I'm at least glad we all got to talk about it. That's yeah, the fun yeah. part of going to see the Dark Tower. Um, if you uh, if you're on the fence, I'd say it's a solid red box uh, for one dollar. So, yeah. you know, maybe that would be the best way to go see it. Or if you have a dollar theater, that's that's fine. Leave it on while you're doing the dishes. There, exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for uh, participating, you guys. And John, thank you very much for uh, for coming in and filling out the panel here. Um, Glad I could. I uh, just want to point everybody one more time to the Cinemaholics uh, podcast. You can search it on iTunes or whatever uh, podcatcher you use. Um is Cinemaholics, which is the official podcast of we we got this covered. We got com. this covered. Is You'll it? get it. You'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I've been there like eight times now, and I can't quite remember the name of it. We got this covered. Com, and uh, soon the Legendarium will be the official podcast of Adib's Rug Gallery. Dot <laughs> <laughs> com, and also. If you guys, if you're kind of like, we're hoping this review would make you want to read The Dark Tower, but you're kind of like, I don't know if I want to read it. I have a book that's out that you might enjoy. And it's I was called Killer Joy. Just getting there, man. You read my oh, mind. Yeah. So uh, Killer Joy. Uh, now, you can get that on Amazon right now as an ebook, and And, and just and a paperback. Um, yeah, Amazon Prime. So you can, I think it's worldwide. You can, I think you can get a paperback anywhere at this point but yeah and the ebook is on it's a kindle book too can you give us the uh, 30 second elevator pitch for your novel of course i can uh, killer so joy excited. is <laughs> lord of the rings meets watchmen as publisher says and uh, it's a book filled with superheroes and wizards and gargoyles and massive a massive world uh, it's inspired by my love for authors like c.s friedman and terry brooks i uh, please check it out if you love a good fantasy with sci-fi elements and uh i will say a lot of your listeners are sanderson fans when i initially pitched this to the publisher they actually came back and were like this is this reminds us of like a uh, mistborn and way of kings with the two things that they were like that those are the books that this writing style kind of mimics the world building and all of that so if you like those books you might enjoy killer joy so check it out killer joy go ahead to amazon and do me a favor if you read it you must leave a review on amazon it must be a good review and oh, please do and you should probably mention the legendarium that we pointed you there, just so I can see if anybody uh, actually picked it up on uh, uh, just from listening to this. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, and I'm sure John would appreciate the the kind notes on Amazon. So yeah, let's cut and run, you guys. Uh, thanks again, everybody. Head to Patreon.com/slash/Legendarium to support the show. Go to thelegendarium.reddit.com and join the conversation. And uh, in answer to the unasked question, yes, we will do another Wheel of Time episode one of these days. Uh, I want to say it's going to be next weekend, but I'll be honest, getting through book 10 is one of the more painful experiences of my life. And, uh, and so it's been slow going, but we will get there and we will get to our book 10 giveaway. And uh, I, I hope you're all looking forward to that because I am. And uh, thanks for listening. We will see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye.